On the virtual Bible study tonight, you're sort of borrowing something that David or said about his son. Yeah, we're going to make a play on the expression that King David asked about his son Absalom. Is the young man safe? Of course, Absalom was not safe when he asked that. We're concerned that young people today may not be safe, and we want to talk about some of the things that we can do to help ensure the spiritual well-being of our young people. All right, it's going to be an important topic, and we're going to get started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, Internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 Three one three eight one four five six seven, or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And we welcome you into the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, January 31st. January's already finished. Last day of, last day of January already. Uh, yeah. We look forward to a good period of Bible study tonight. My name tonight. Is Jacob Gwynn. My father, Greg Gwynn, is here. Hello, Dan. Jacob, thanks. Kyle's here. Kyle, welcome. It's good to be here. Good to have you here. And glad that that you're listening on the other end tonight at eight at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com or in the chat room with fellow listeners tonight to share your comments on an important topic. But before we get there, we've got some uh, some good sermons coming to our podcast feed on yeah. our sermon feed th- this week. We had a really great weekend series uh, here at College View. Kevin Clark uh, preached some very powerful lessons to us, and we're going to try to get all those up on our podcast feed. Uh, uh, this evening, if you're not subscribed to our podcast, you ought to do that. Jacob, you can tell a little more about that. But we'll also have it on our sermon uh, archive. archive page on our website, right. collegeview.com. So check those out. You'll want to be doing that. And we still have bumper stickers. How do we, how do we subscribe to a podcast? Well, you get it on Apple Podcasts. You can get it on uh, other podcast uh, rec- your podcast receivers. Go to our website to find out more under sign-up resources. Okay. All right. All right, so earlier today we sent out an email to our update list. We always tell you you can get on that list if you're not already by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, put me on the list. To our update list earlier today, we sent out these questions. What are the essential attitudes that parents must have to be successful in rearing their children? Number two, what must young people know about their own accountability? Number three, Comment on the need for spiritual instruction, worthy examples to imitate, respect for authority. Number four, what are the things in the modern world that make it hard for young people to live right? Number five, what young Bible characters stand out as notable examples of living right in an evil world? Okay. So there's there's a lot to cover there, uh, really important information. And, and I think that we've got to be rightly concerned. I mean, all the statistics say that not just, I mean, just statistics in general about uh, denominations, all religious groups, young people are dropping out at, at an incredibly high rate. Two out of three, maybe, something like that? At least, yeah. Uh, and, and, and a lot of... Uh, denominational uh, organizations are quite worried about that and uh, we're worried because we see that among churches of Christ we see a lot of young people who are losing their faith and and as they uh, grow older get out of the home get on their own they're making decisions to not serve the Lord which is a very scary thing and so the question we ask the question that comes from King David. Uh, he said in Second Samuel chapter eighteen, verse thirty-two. Remember, his his own son had actually led a rebellion against him, and was on the verge of taking over the kingdom. Uh, and and they they were able to fight him back. Really, sort of last ditch effort. They they recovered the kingdom for King David. But David was re- really concerned about his son Absalom because Absalom was was a revolutionary. He was leading a revolt against his own father. But David's expression was, "Is the young man safe?" And of course, he was not. He'd been killed in battle. But that's a that's an important question. And parents should have concern for their children. Is the young man safe is a worthy thing to be asking. All right. And so we do. This is a very vital and very important topic tonight. 
We'd like your thoughts at 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com in the chat room. Maybe you, uh, maybe your, your children are grown. Maybe you want to share some of the things that you have learned from the scriptures about raising young people. Maybe you still are, have young people at home. And uh, maybe you've got some things you'd like to share as well. We'd love to hear from you on the program tonight. So the first thing uh, that we ask is, what are some essential attitudes that parents must have to be successful in rearing their children? I would would say that parents need to see this as their absolutely most important job, their their top responsibility. because they have, there's a, a li- limited window of opportunity in order to get this job done. And if, if you put it off or if you neglect it, you're passing up a chance that won't come back and will have lifelong consequences for the children. Proverbs 29, verse 15 says, The rod and reproof give wisdom. Notice, but a child left to himself bringeth his mother to shame. That's the problem. A lot of times in our world today, children are left to themselves. They're not getting training and upbringing and what we would just call child rearing uh, has been neglected. Of course, the whole family unit in our culture is in sad uh, disarray. Children are being left to their own. Now, it doesn't mean that you're not like that you're not around the child necessarily. It means that the, you're not instructing him. You're leaving him to his own ways, his own his yeah, own desires. Yeah, yeah, left to himself. Yeah, he's he's doing his own. But of thing. course, now a lot of times we're leaving them to themselves because they are left to themselves because we parents and children are going separate ways. Yeah. The kids are planted in front of the television and the parents are doing something else and. There's, there is that, not that interaction. Anymore. Yeah. Uh, and again, to this idea of a limited window of opportunity, Proverbs 19, verse 18, Chasten thy son, notice, while there is hope, and let not thy soul spare for his crying. And we're not necessarily talking about physical discipline here, although that's an important subject. But I, I just want to key in on the expression, while there is hope. Do your job, parents, while there is hope or while there is time. You're not going to have this opportunity forever. And so parents have got to see this is a critically important responsibility that they have. Ephesians 6, verse 4, Ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The New American Standard Version says, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So it's really important for parents to see this as an incredibly important job high priority job in their lives it's a it's a command god has uh entrusted your children with you as their stewards and what kind of stewardship are you going to display and as you mentioned this is a time sensitive command you're not going to be you can't say well 20 years from now i'll, I'll get to that uh, ephesians chapter 6 verse 4 bringing up my children in the nurture and admission of the lord no you've got to start now it's time sensitive I found an article that I thought was pretty impressive along this line. Uh, It says, church leaders all over the nation are concerned about dropout rate of young people, and well, they should be. Lately, several congregations have made in-depth studies of the factors leading to youth leaving the church with an eye to learning what might be done to help solve the problem. What do we need? More youth programs, more rallies, special teachers. A great central truth has begun to emerge from these studies. Their faithfulness to Jesus doesn't have anything to do with special programs or teachers. It is not dependent on whether they are members of a large congregation or a small one. The single most important factor is their own immediate family. One congregation found that when both parents were faithful to the Lord, and that includes active interest in the local church's work, 93% of the children remained faithful. On the other hand, if only one parent was faithful, the figure dropped to 73%. Where both parents were only marginally active, it fell to 53%. Now comes the shocker. When both parents attended infrequently, 6% of their children remained faithful to the Lord. Mm. And then so this author says, do you want your children to go to heaven? Make certain you're leading them. There you go. And I think that's really so important. Eight, uh, eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. I interrupted you there. No, no, go ahead. Donna in the chat room says, I've always said that when parents don't mind, that children don't mind, children don't. Uh, that's yeah. uh, pretty much the case there. And uh, Donna says the best gift a parent can give is time and attention. Yeah, exactly right. Thank you, Donna. We got an email from Kent in Georgia who said, 
Love, sacrifice, submission, self-control, consistency, and a willingness to stand alone when it comes to doing what is right. Uh, those are the kind of things that parents need to instill in their children. I think that's exactly right. I like that. Uh, love, sacrifice, submission, self-control, and consistency. All right. And that willingness to stand alone, I think that's one we've got to emphasize as well. And Well, it's always been this ca- the case. And we'll talk about some young people in the scriptures who did that, who are willing to stand alone. Yeah. We've got to teach our children that their faith is their faith, and it's not dependent on what everybody around them is doing. Exactly. All right. Uh, Stephen says, first parents must understand that their example in regards to their own faith is more important than what they say. The old saying, do as I say, not as I do, is like water off a duck's back when it comes to children. James says, be doers of the word, not hearers only. It applies here. Paul states, be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Jesus said, Matthew 7, verse 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and acts upon them may be compared to a wise man. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. Uh, appreciate those words, Stephen. They, they, I mean, I don't, this, is, this is not rocket science. If, I, if I'm going to raise my children to be faithful to the Lord, I'm going to have to do the work. I've got to pay attention to that. It's not going to happen by accident. You know, uh, uh, occasionally I've heard people say to, to a family, uh, uh, they say to a parent whose children are faithful to the Lord, well, you're lucky. You're lucky. No, they're not lucky. If your children are faithful to the Lord, then th- there's been a, a conscious effort to make it so. It does not happen by chance. And if you're a parent and you think that your kids are just going to, on their own or by course of nature, become faithful servants uh, in the kingdom of Christ, you're wrong. It's not going to happen by chance. You're going to have to put in the time and effort. All right. We want to hear your thoughts tonight on the program. So we got to understand it's your, t- your most important job. It's time sensitive, and it's going to take some work. Yeah. It's not going to be something that's easy. Exactly and, right. And, and, uh, Kent talked about sacrifice. You're talking uh, Oh yeah, uh-huh. and but we, he's about teaching our children sacrifice. But this raising children is going to be a sacrifice on the parents' part. Exactly. I mean, it's going to take a lot of effort. Yeah, and it's going to keep you from doing a lot of things you'd like to be doing. You're, yeah, you're not going to have the time to pursue your own interests when you're concerned about the well-being of your children. You're going to have to spend a lot of time and effort there. Absolutely. Exactly right. Okay. So. Uh, again, parents, you got to get your attitudes right. You got to you got to be very conscious of your responsibility. I, we could potentially stop our discussion right there. What will make a, a, it, it well for our children? We could almost stop just saying, "Well, if parents are doing their job right, then that's that's the key." There's some other factors that we want to talk about, but that, there's no no more important factor than that. Okay. All right. Should we get a break and we get yeah. back? Yeah, we'll let's talk about break. the young people. Yeah, let's talk about young people understanding their own accountability. All right, we're going to get that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The verse Bible study is back right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. What does your church have for my children? At the College View Church of Christ, we don't have pizza parties or putt-putt nights. We don't have softball or basketball. We do have the Bible. We do have the powerful sayings of the gospel of Jesus Christ and him crucified. We do have the love for your children's souls to never substitute the solid spiritual teaching they need with superficial secular activities. If this is what you want for your children, bring them to Bible class this Sunday at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Trouble is merely opportunity in work clothes. When they discover the center of the universe, a lot of people will be disappointed to discover they are not it. The greatest of faults, I should say, is to be conscious of none. The most significant change in a person's life is a change of attitude. Right attitudes produce right actions. Man, wish I'd said that. Use your internet connection for something good. Listen to the virtual Bible study every week. Now, back to the program. Back on the program tonight talking about our young people and what they need in order to be uh, successful spiritually. Yeah. And safe spiritually. Right. Uh, so parents, we talked first initially to parents, but, but then 
let's make sure that it's understood that our children have to accept accountability for themselves as they reach as they reach the age as we talk about the age of accountability uh, you're not going to be able to stand in judgment and say well my parents did a bad job raising me or I, I, I didn't have good influences in my no, well bottom line in, in the final judgment all accountable people are going to be accountable for themselves and they're not going to be able to pass that off on somebody else's failure so parents have got to do a good job but but we need to raise our kids to accept and understand their own accountability second corinthians 5 verse 10 we must all appear before the judgment seat of christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that that he had done whether it be good or bad uh, so all are accountable that means young people are accountable absolutely uh so they need to understand that. How do we instill that? Well, I think we're going to talk in a minute about proper spiritual instruction. And that's a vital part of spiritual instruction is the whole notion of accountability. That's really, there's really been a letdown in our society about people accepting the responsibility for their own actions. Uh, you know, it's, it's not my fault. I'm a victim sort of thing. And so, but that's... Anybody who goes that route is totally ignoring the scriptural teaching on that matter. We are accountable. And so teaching our children that they are accountable is going to be a a large part, uh, in large part, due to we're teaching them all the appropriate biblical principles. Okay. a passage uh, that is really powerful along this line, uh, Kevin Clark used it in our weekend series last weekend, Ecclesiastes 11, beginning verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thine heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Remember now thy creator in the days of thy youth, while the evil days come not, nor the years draw nigh, when thou shalt say, I have no pleasure in them. So, notice it's great to be a young person, and there's special things of life to enjoy as a young person. But never forget, Solomon says, you're going to be judged. God will bring you into judgment. And so, while you're enjoying your youth, understand that you're accountable even at that time for the things you decide to do. Okay. Accountability is such an important concept that our children need to be taught. They need to be taught, and that doesn't start when they are 15, 16, 17 years old. That, account of, that idea of accountability needs to start very soon. Uh, as soon as they're understand, uh, able to understand rules, they need to be under, able to understand there's some accountability and consequences for not following those rules. Exactly right. So that starts from the cradle. Exactly right. All right. Uh, we got a couple emails there, Jacob. We do. Uh, Stephen in Georgia says, namely, uh, that they are accountable. The problem is that they won't learn this as long as mom and dad keep bailing them out of trouble. Parents may, may mean well, but we do no service to our children when we do this. The other side of the coin is that we try to push this process. Rush, too, r- rush this. Rush yeah. this process too quickly. Tertullian, in his work on baptism, writes, according to circumstance and disposition of and and even age of the individual person, it may be better to delay baptism, and especially so in the case of little children. Why, indeed, it is necessary, if not be if it be not a case of necessity, that the sponsors, not a term fond of found in Scripture, to be thrust into danger when they themselves may fail to fulfill their promises by reason of death, or when they may be disappointed by the growth of an evil disposition. He's got a longer quote there from Tertullian. Uh, Uh, The Lord says, do not forbid them to come to me. Let let them come then while they grow up, while they learn, while they are taught to whom they to come. Let them become Christians when they will have been able to know Christ. Why does the innocent age hasten to the remission of sins? Uh, and, And then Stephen adds, having sat in on many Bible studies on this topic, I never heard anyone posit this idea. Since being in Christ is likened to marriage throughout the New Testament, one only need to ask as to the age of the child, is he or she old enough, mature enough, accountable enough to be married and to leave mother and father and to perform all the responsibilities along with the benefits that marriage calls for? If not, then they are too young to be a disciple of Christ, period. I don't know if I agree with that. I, th- I think that I think that before someone would be old enough to accept the responsibilities of all that's involved in marriage because there's not there's spiritual commitments for sure in marriage but there's also 
realities of physical life like earning a living and so forth that attach to marriage i think a a person could make a commitment to the lord before they would be ready to take a wife and launch out on their own in the in the physical world so i i I do agree that we want to make sure our kids know what they're getting into and, and fully understand all the ramifications of a decision to become a christian but I do not think I would agree with the idea that if a person not old enough to get married, they're not old enough to obey the gospel. Okay. All right. Uh, Kent says that we'll give an account to Christ at the judgment. Not only will we give personal account of our lives, no one will stand with us. We will be judged on an individual basis. Kent's hammering home that idea of individual accountability, individual faith. And uh, he says you know, you're not going to stand before judgment with your friends. The, the, you're not going to stand before judgment with the, the group of guys that thought it was a good idea to do that on Friday night. And, and you're not going to stand in judgment with people in the local church either. And, yeah. and you won't be able to point to them and say, well, I was with them when they did good things or I suffered because they didn't do what they were supposed to do. It's all going to be an, an individual judgment. So we've got to teach our kids about their particular and individual accountability. All right. uh, that's very important. All right. What else? What else do we need to teach our children? Okay. So. Number Question one was, what are essential attitudes for parents? Number two, what do young people know, need to know about accountability? Number three, comment on the need for spiritual instruction. Uh, that's, that's where we're going to get our faith, right? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, verse 17. So if we want our children to be people of faith, uh, then they've got to be heavily in involved in and exposed to the truths that are in God's word. First Peter two verse two says, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that notice that you may grow thereby. How are our children going to grow spiritually? The sincere milk of the word. Uh, in Hebrews five verse fourteen, strong meat belongs to them that are of full age, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We we gotta we gotta get our children to the point that they're able to to digest the strong meat of the Word of God. Uh, I, I'm afraid sometimes our young people never get there. You yeah. know, we, we, the, the things that they're taught are very superficial, right? and, and they never get to the, to the heart of the matter. They never get the meat of the Word. That, that's concerning yeah. uh, to me. I, you know, you look, at, you look at children today that are getting ready to leave home and go out into the world, and be faced with all types of spiritual challenges once they leave the shelter of their parents, are they grounded enough to be able to resist those challenges? You've got to wonder. I I think that there's a, and I'm not saying it's true everywhere, but I think in very large part in many congregations that, that, that young people are being fed a superficial diet that doesn't ground them adequately in the in the doctrine of Christ. Can and can we say that they're not going to be grounded as they should by attending worship services and Bible classes on a, every time the doors are open? That, that's not going to be enough. Never going to be enough. Yeah. I mean, are you do you expect your child to grow up to be a strong, healthy, physical physically when they eat two or three meals a week? How could you say, well, we bring them on Sunday morning. We might come on Sunday night if there's not something else. We'll bring them on Wednesday, three times a week. They're going to get everything they need. They're going to grow up and be strong and healthy spiritually. Not going to happen, is it? I found another article uh, by Frank Himmel that I thought was just outstanding along the lines of the superficial kind of things our kids are getting. He, he references the Christian Chronicle. He says, the Christian Chronicle carried an interview with Lagarde Smith. Some of our listeners will, rem- will know the name Lagarde Smith. He was, at the time, scholar-in-residence for Christian studies at David Lipscomb University in Nashville. One item caught my attention. Smith was asked what he would say if he had the undivided attention of every member of the Churches of Christ for 10 minutes. Included in his answer was, I would call on the church to abandon youth ministries which have toppled the spiritual hierarchy. Throughout Scripture, spiritual leadership is not only male, but it's also elder. In the wisdom, uh, it's the wisdom of the years that leads and nurtures young generations. 
abandoned the youth ministries. This is not, and then Himmel goes on to say, this is not the cry of some old fogey, old conservative who resists change at every turn. It's the counsel of one who is seeing among his peers the ripe fruit of an ill-advised tree. Youth ministries typically feature two things. Abundant recreational activities and shallow entertaining instruction. What happens when teen, uh, what happens when teens who are accustomed to such things become adults? Will they immediately consider themselves too old for church-sponsored recreation, or suddenly insist on more sober worship and meteor preaching? Of course not. As a result, today's adult church has, in many cases, become just a slightly toned-down version of yesterday's youth church. The Bible, of course, knows nothing of youth ministries, youth church, or church-sponsored recreation for any age. It emphatically warns against ear-tickling preaching, 2 Timothy 4, verses 3 and 4. Special meetings for young people call for certain speakers, those whose presentations are more entertaining. The truth is slightly repackaged, less Bible reading and exposition, more stories and humor, and lessons that are mostly application with content limited to relevant daily living kind of themes. Parents provide ample food and entertainment. He says, do not misunderstand. No one opposes occasional sermons targeted at a particular segment of the audience, nor do we underestimate the value of young Christians getting together. However, when meetings for young people consistently take on a more entertaining air, when the add-on recreation becomes expected, when we advertise it along with the worship, even though it's not paid for by the church's treasury, and when brethren begin to say that we may lose our young people without such events, we have gone farther than we think down the wrong path. Mm. I thought he was right on. I do. Yeah. Um, you know, I, as you mentioned, I, I think about Timothy. And it wasn't a lot of watered-down truth that he was being receiving. Uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5, When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. It wasn't that unfeigned faith which was in the youth group. The unfeigned faith was in that bunch of guys that, that he ran around with. Or that motivational speaker. That motivation. It was his mother and his grandmother yeah. teaching him the truth over in chapter 3, verse 15. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Timothy was given a, given a, a healthy diet of the scriptures as a very young person. And, uh, and we need to be, uh, doing that with our children as well. Psalms 119 beginning verse nine, wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way? Well, that's really what we're talking about, right? Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto, according to thy word, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. That's basically exactly what we're saying here. The strength to make our children successful spiritually is going to come from the Word of God. And we've got to see to it that they're getting that instruction. And again, at at a deep level, not at a superficial level. All right. Uh, Stephen says, too many older Christians were baptized at an early age, keep questioning their salvation, and get rebaptized far too often. We agree with that, Stephen. Uh, if, If folks are too young uh, to, to have known what they were doing and have confidence in, in the fact that they obeyed from the heart, then they they obeyed the gospel too young. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, So, but but we're not saying that that equates with they've got to be of marrying age, you know, whatever that may be, 18, 19, 20, 25, 30 years old. Uh, Donna says, children learn what they see. Children need to see parents study the Bible. If they see their parents party and drink, that's what children will grow up to do uh, as, they, as they grow up. When they grow up learning the importance of God's word, children will be more likely to do as their parents do. Thank you for that, Donna. Okay. In email, uh, Kent said there, there is indeed a need for spiritual instruction, Ephesians 6, verse 4. Children need to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There is a need for worthy examples to be placed before them to imitate. Uh, we're going to talk about that in a minute. So he's got, he's got a couple other things uh, about example. All right. Um, and uh, all right. Um, I think we let's got go those. We yeah, covered we those. That. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let's okay. go ahead and get a break. Okay. We'll get a break. Get this week's bullet point when we come back. 
We need to talk about examples to imitate. Okay. We need good examples for our young people. How do we do that, and what what should we be thinking about in those realm? And we'll continue to talk about uh, our children and what they need in order to be safe spiritually. It's a dangerous world out there, Kyle. We want our young people to be safe, and uh, so we're talking about that. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Peter instructed us that we must, quote, add to your faith virtue, 2 Peter 1, verse 5. What is this virtue, and how do we manifest it? Thayer says that virtue is a word that can be used to describe any kind of excellence in a person or thing. When used of a person, it might denote a quality of body or mind. But when used in the ethical sense, Thayer says it specifically means, quote, moral goodness or excellence. Another commentator suggested that it is, quote, courage, a resolute determination to do what is right, steadfast strength of will to choose always the good part. How do we demonstrate this moral courage? What will be the signs that we are adding to our faith virtue? Numerous examples can be found in the Word of God. Famous heroes of the faith displayed virtue. Noah did it in the matter of living faithfully in the midst of an entirely wicked world. Abraham did when he left the comforts of home to obey God, and later when he was willing to offer his own son at God's command. Moses did when he chose, quote, rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, Hebrews 11, verse 25. However, most of us will not find ourselves in the momentous situations of a Noah, Abraham, or Moses. Instead, we will be faced with the constant challenges of our everyday lives. It is interesting that one of the most familiar uses of this terminology is found in application to a woman. In Proverbs 31, the virtuous woman is described. Hers was not the work of a soldier in battle or of a famous prophet standing up for truth and righteousness. Instead, we read of her faithfully fulfilling her role as a wife and mother. It was her God-given job, and she did it well. She was virtuous. Christian, will you courageously do what is right regardless of the consequences? Will you show moral excellence in how you talk, act, dress, and so forth? Will you take your stand always with those who are faithfully doing the will of God? It will not always be popular or easy, but when you do, you will be showing virtue. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. My name is Cole, and I'm eight years old. My name is Thomas, and I'm seven years old. And our families love to listen to the virtual Bible study. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight. Reminding you, this program is brought to you by the College of Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Check out that sermon podcast at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. You'll want to subscribe to that feed, and we're going to put a lot of sermons in that tonight. So now would be a great time for you to sign up. If you have questions or comments about anything you've heard on the program, Send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. We'd love to hear from you. Talking about young people and making sure that we keep them safe tonight. We talked Another thing, we talked about there's a need for spiritual instruction. There's also a need for, for children to have what we would call appropriate role models, people setting a good example before them. And it's not just parents, but it certainly is parents. Parents are going to be the primary example that children imitate. Uh, and so... Parents have got to be setting the right example. We already referenced Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Uh, so uh, a, a top responsibility there for setting not only instruction but setting an example uh, is f- from the parents. Uh, I think uh, uh, you know the idea of... Uh, uh, I think Stephen mentioned in his email, you can't say do as I do, don't do it. Do, do as I say, not as I do doesn't Donna work. Donna said children learn what they see. <laughs> yeah, 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 they exactly. are visual learners, and so they're going to, and they're going to, they want to imitate. Children yeah. are imitators. Yeah. And they're going to imitate those that they're around the most. And yeah. Hopefully that's the parents. So what are they going to imitate? There's an interesting statement in Genesis 18, verse 19, is made about Abraham. The Lord says, I know him that he will command his children and his household after him that they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he has spoken. To. That, that, I mean, that's a really yeah. amazingly high commendation. The Lord said, I know this about Abraham. He will command his children and his household after him. Yes. Uh, that they will keep the way of the Lord. Of course, probably one of the most famous such expressions in the Scripture is of Joshua. Joshua 24, verse 15. If it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I tell you what, as parents, we have got to have that kind of 
absolute determination. Now, others may do something else, but as for me and my house, I mean, we need parents with that kind of absolute commitment. With that, that kind of spiritual backbone, shall yeah, we say? Yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, that, there's a per- wow, what a powerful example, but that, that's more than just example. Joshua said, "We're not, we're not going to put up with anything else at our house. Yeah. We're doing it this way. Yeah. And we need parents who say, listen, you're going to do it this way. This is what we're, we do in this house.' Exactly right. All right. Uh, then here's a negative uh, case: in the case of Eli, First Samuel three verse thirteen. I have told him, Eli, that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. So here's Eli, who seems like he was a good man in his own right, but he was a terrible parent and failed, and was going to be held accountable for that. I will judge his house forever for the iniquity that he knows. His sons made themselves vile, and he did not restrain them. And then, of course, another very familiar verse about parenting is Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Uh, again, that that speaks to that idea of a limited window of opportunity. And, uh, you know, you got to do that training when they're a child if you want them not to depart from that when they have grown older. All right. Um Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Kent in the, uh, his email uh, said, uh, "Children need to be brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. There's need for worthy examples to be placed before them to imitate." Ephesians chapter six verse four. Uh, fathers should never provoke their children to wrath. There's a need for okay. So uh, he says, put those good examples before them. Yeah, and maybe uh, keep some of those bad examples away. Should we say? Hey, that's a good point. You know, in other words, we always talk about positive examples and role models and parents should be that and they should look for that sort of thing for the kid but part of raising children is to keep them away from negative influences and so you've got to keep them away from bad example people who will set a bad example before them i think yeah that's uh, going to be a, you wouldn't just think of some cd part of town and just throw your kids out in yeah. that part of town but are we doing that with what we allow them to be exposed to in the media whether that be on the television, in the movies, on the radio, in music, on the Internet, are we keeping those bad influences away from them? Yeah. We've got to be careful about that. We've got to be on, uh, on high alert. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I don't know if we got this comment in the chat room from Stephen. We're talking about spiritual instruction. He said the early sages knew that there are four levels to the scriptures. Most Christians never get to the first level. I don't know what those four levels might be. That's some human designation, I suppose. But I I think that Stephen's comment there goes to what we were saying earlier, that we've allowed our children to, to be just treated to superficial matters and not get to the meat of the word mm-hmm. so I, I think that is true okay thank you Stephen, for that comment <clears throat> and then one other thing that we had on our list of things that that young people need is they need to be taught a a respect for authority uh, of course that starts with parental authority Ephesians 6, verse 1, Children, obey your parents and Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. The first authority that children learn to respect has to be parental authority. And then, it, then it, of course, involves the authority of civil governors. Titus 3, verse 1, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities, powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. And then, of course, very importantly, it, it has to include the spiritual leadership of the Lord's church. Hebrews thirteen seventeen. obey them that have the rule over you. Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls uh, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Yes. Uh, so... Uh, Respect for authority. I I found an interesting reference in Lamentation, chapter 4, verse 5. They that did feed delicately are desolate in the streets. They that were brought up in scarlet embraced dunghills. In other words, Jeremiah was lamenting the fall of, of the nation. And and those who had had, they been, had it made, they, who had it made, silver now were suffering. Yeah, those who were raised, as you say, with a silver spoon in their mouth, now. And he says in chapter five, verse twelve, the faces of the elders were not honored. 
one of the contributing factors to the fall of God's people in the Old Testament was failure to respect authority. We've got to instill in our kids a, a respect for authority. And, you know, that means that, for instance, in regards to the elders of the church, I'm going to show respect and submission to them in the presence of my children instead of saying negative and judgmental things about the elders. And the, now, that's not to say elders are perfect, but in front of my children, I'm not going to I'm, I'm going to voice support and submission. And I'm not going to let them hear me constantly complaining about the leadership of the Lord's church. We're not going to have skewered elders at the, at the lunch table yeah. every Sunday afternoon. Exactly right. So. I knew a family once that did that constantly. Uh, it was a big extended family. And they were constantly complaining about the church and everything about the church. And their grandchildren did not grow up to be Christians. Not too surprisingly. Well, you know, part of that, you, you talk, you're talking about examples uh, and having examples to imitate. If children aren't taught to respect elders, are they going to look up to elders? They're not, if, 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 if we don't instill in them a respect for those who are older, then they're, they won't be looking to those who are older for, as an example. Uh, and so if we're taught that, well, you just don't worry about uh, those, those old people, we don't respect them, they're, they're, just ignore them. Then you're not looking to them for an example. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kent says in his email, there's a need for respect of authority, authority of the home, Ephesians 6, beginning verse 1, authority of civil law that does not oppose the word of God, Romans 13, 3, respect for the authority of Christ as set forth in the New Testament pattern, Colossians 3, 17, 2 John 9. I think you're right. Thank you for that. All right. Um, and then uh, Ken, uh, Stephen said, uh, respect for authority. We need to establish or need to respect the authority of the Scripture. First Peter four verse eleven. Whoever speaks, let him speak as he, as it were, the utterance of God. Utterances of God. I believe we have become overly obsessed with teaching others, namely our children, that we must respect without question the authority of elders and preachers in the church, regardless whether they speak for God or not. This is how aberrant movements begin, like the discipling Boston movement from Florida, as well as within other faiths like the Mormons and Jehovah's Witnesses. They all quote scripture uh, that includes us as well. So, yeah, well, so, uh, yeah. we understand. We're not saying that elders uh, or, uh, or preachers are flawless. They certainly are not. But at the same time, we, we want to be careful in, in how we present ourselves before our children even if we have to for instance if i if i needed to confront an elder i don't need to do that in front of my eight-year-old son you know uh, sure. I, I need to do that but I, I need to be mindful of not only doing that in rebuking or i'm told to rebuke an elder who sins but i but i also got to be conscious of of how this may impact my young son who's watching and maybe take that into account as to when and how i do it yeah all right but I mean, if, if if my point was, if if children are exposed to constant negativity about the church and the leadership of the church, can we be surprised if they develop a negative attitude toward the church? I don't think so. Yes. Right. Okay. Uh, let's get a break, and when we get back, we need to talk about um, some things in the world that are going to make it hard for young people to live right. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of challenges. And then we need to look at the Bible for some examples, lots of examples of young people in the Bible who understood, their account, under, understood accountability, understood authority, understood uh, their need to live like God would have in bad times. In bad hard times. times. Bad times. They were trying to live right in bad, even when times were bad. All right, we'll get that on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The verse Bible study continues right after this. Have you checked out all of the resources on collegeview.com lately? Check it out now while you listen to these important messages. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. When you take away the ice cream socials, the family center, the gym, the fellowship hall, and the plays from your church, what do you have left? Is there anything of real spiritual substance? Is there anything that says this is all about God and not all about me? At the College View Church of Christ, we want to stay focused on the goal of serving God. We don't offer what most churches offer, but we do offer Jesus Christ and Him crucified. If that's what you're looking for, come worship with us this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. at the College View Church of Christ. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. 6,000 to 10,000 churches die each year in America. That means about 100 to 200 churches will close in any given week. Religiously unaffiliated Americans are rapidly growing as a share of the U.S. population. 
In fact, the religiously unaffiliated have risen from just 6% of the population in 1991 to 25% of the population today. Today, less than 20% of all Americans attend church on a regular basis. That information is via Infowars.com. The Word of God says in Psalm 9, verse 17, The wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program, going to the top of the hour, talking about keeping our young people safe spiritually. All right. So, uh, as we develop our study tonight, we ask, what would you think are some of the big contributors in our modern world that make it hard for young people to do right? Uh, I think there's a lot of factors. It's always been hard to live right in the world. Uh, it's always been a tremendous challenge. Satan is alive and active, and he's going to make it difficult. He's going to, and temptations and trials are going to confront everybody. They're certainly going to confront young people. We're not, and, and we're aware of that. I had on my list, Jacob. One of the things is we live in a really immoral time. Yes, there's no doubt about that. Have you heard? Have you been following in the news this week? Uh, the the just newly inflamed debate about abortion. No. New York has passed legislation that a a, a, a baby can be aborted up to the moment of delivery, and then this week the governor of Virginia came out and said that he believed that if if a child was born with what he called anomalies. There might be a decision to end that life after he's born. And he mentioned things like Down syndrome. Unbelievable. Uh, you know, so I, I, I only mentioned, I mean, I'm just particularly troubled by what that sort of development in our society. But I think it highlights the fact that we live in a really immoral time. I don't think we live in the most immoral time of all times, but it is an immoral time. And that, and that presents challenges to our young people. It's definitely not the most immoral time of all times. Um, um, certainly, that's not the case. Try to tell that to Noah. Yeah, to get over it. But, yeah, uh, and uh, lots of. I mean, well, you just think about all throughout history, the number of the, the things we read about in the scriptures, how bad it was. But yeah. there were dangers then. There are dangers now. We need to be aware of those dangers, yeah. Yeah. especially for our children. And, and there's some new, <laughs> there's some new things that Satan is able to use in our day, <clears throat> especially. Things that pertain to technology and the internet and so forth. Right. <coughs> that, I mean, there there's certainly tools that Satan's using to his advantage that are new challenges for young people today. And it's not that that young people today are challenged and nobody ever else was, but young people today are challenged in some avenues that nobody else ever was before. All right. Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Time for you to get in tonight. What about um, our our children's peer group? Peer pressure got to be a big challenge, right? Uh, and and to the extent that our kids are being raised around other kids who are not being properly raised, certainly presents a challenge. So we're living in an immoral society, <clears throat> and our children are being maybe exposed to that in their peer group. I think what we've got to teach our children is that they're going to be the, the odd ones. They're going to be the weird ones. They're going to be in the minority if they're going to be pleased to God, they're going to have to be willing to stand against the the crowd. Yeah. Uh, it, it's hard to be different, but we got to teach our kids that they're going to have to be different verse to be right four, with God. Verse 4 tells us that uh, they're yeah. going to think that we're strange. Yeah. And we need kids who are trained and maybe conditioned to be willing to accept that. Yeah, exactly. Of course, the classic verse on that is 1 Corinthians fifteen thirty three: be not deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. You're around the wrong people, you you will go the wrong way. There's no doubt about that. Okay. And then on my list, I also had the fact that they will see hypocrisy in some Christians. That's a that's a real downer. That's a real that's a real discouragement when you see other Christians who are not living right. And yep. you got to accept that that's a reality. It's always been a reality, and you've just got to accept that that's the case and and move forward. But that's that's going to make it hard for our young people. All right, absolutely. All right, Kent's got some good ones from Georgia tonight. Here we go. Materialism. I think that we've got our kids maybe focusing their desires in the wrong spots in the area of materialism. <coughs> a lack of discipline and self-control. They're not seeing that a lot in the adults that they look at as examples. Discipline and self-control. And too much time on one's hands. Have we maybe underestimated the danger that that poses? Yeah. We live in a time of leisure. And that's a lot of opportunity for children 
Uh, the old chimney corner scripture, idle hands are the devil's workshop. Is yeah. it true? It's true. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, children need to be taught the ethic of honest work, Kent says. I think it's true. I know you're big on that, Jacob. I think it's definitely true. Yeah, you, we don't wait till we don't wait till the kids eighteen or twenty years old to teach them. You know, now's the time you got to start telling the truth. Eighteen or twenty years old. Now's the time that you've got to, you know, abstain from sexual immorality. We start at an early age. Telling you got to tell the truth when you're five, six years old. You got to tell yeah, the truth. Yeah. Why aren't we telling them? You got to work. That's what God's God's word says. If any won't work, neither shall he eat. Now, certainly kids aren't going to be earning their own living, but we need to start training that at a young age, and we're not doing that in this society. I think that's right. Uh, Stephen uh, from Rockmark, Georgia, says, What makes it hard for our children to live right is, I believe, a failure to plumb the depths of the Scripture. So uh, this goes to something we've already talked about, and I think it's right, that there's a a shallowness, a a superficiality to the kind of teaching that a lot of times young people are receiving. He says... uh, I have watched for 42 years one church after another rush to squeeze a book of the Bible into a trimester of half-hour classes, always simply covering the highlights. If a tree is to survive the storms of life, it must have deep roots. So are children, and and doubly true for adults as well. Uh, I I think that's right. But I would also say what you said earlier, Jacob. If you're expecting that your children are going to get the full extent of Bible instruction that they need in the few short periods of Bible study that we have together when we come together in the congregation, then that's a mistake on the part of parents in itself. That's not going to be enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So um, they've got to be trained. All right. We're about out of time. Let's go to this last one because I think uh, this Donna is... mentions the Internet and parents who turn children loose without any monitoring. These are bad for kids. Absolutely right. Okay. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, the last question we had, what young Bible characters stand out as notable examples of living right in an evil world? <clears throat> Stephen took objection to that question. He said, I haven't found one character in all of the Bible who was living right, except Jesus, of course. What I do find is people, flawed at best, who are believing right. We have a partial list of them in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, well, I understand, and I, I hope... They weren't perfect. No, no, n- nobody no ever perfect. said that when we said young people living right, that they were perfect. Nobody's perfect, as, as Stephen said, except for Jesus. But actually, the scriptures use that expression. I, I, I was just, after I read his comment there, I, I, I did a quick search. And uh, just, for instance, among the kings of Israel... And Judah, it says, I don't know how many, I mean, it says dozens of times, he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. I wrote down a reference to Asa in 1 Kings 15. He did what was right. That's what we're talking about, doing what's right in the eyes of the Lord. And we're not times. saying perfect. We're not saying anybody. Not any young person in the Bible was ever perfect. But there were young people who did what was right. Yeah. You know, one of them that has to come to mind is, the, is Daniel. Um, and Kent mentions Daniel as well. Daniel was taken from his homeland, taken away, you know, taken, you're taken far from where you're from. He was given a different name. Brought a, up in a, in a pagan culture. Accountability is thrown out of the window it, for most young people. I'm yeah. away from home. I got a different name. They don't even know who I am. And these people around here don't worship the same they way we do back people home. People around here don't care. Nobody's going to think bad of me. Accountability is thrown out of the window. And yet Daniel has made up his mind. He yeah. purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the king's uh, and, and, and And Kent also mentions the three Hebrew children, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were there with Daniel and did the same thing. Uh, those first six chapters of the book of Daniel, I mean, young people ought to really be drilled on those things because you got you got examples of young people really uh, under challenging circumstances striving to live for the Lord. Here's the other thing about those four young men. They weren't the only four young men from Judah that were taken to Babylon. But they were the only four who the only tr- four who stood tr- up tr- tried to do the right thing. And so they were even being determined to do what God wanted to do even though the other if you can you say good kids, I don't know there were a lot of good kids in Judah, but their their peer group their peer group from back home wasn't doing what they should do. And yet they had the determination to do right. Yeah. Uh, 
And and then Kent also mentions Joseph. Joseph is an outstanding example, right? Uh, you talk about t- ripped up from his roots. He was sold as a slave into Egypt uh, and ha- had all kind of temptations there, but consistently uh, passed the test when different tests were thrown in his direction, for instance, from Potiphar's wife. I mean, he did the right thing because he, he wanted to be right with God. Uh, Joseph is a great example. i tell you one that I had on my list, Jacob. Noah's sons. Yep, yep. You know, we talk about Noah all the time. Uh, Here was a righteous man in in a totally wicked world. He found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, But what about his sons? They, 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 I mean, it would have been easy to say, you know, my dad has slipped off the deep end. Uh, Nobody else does. Don't you imagine some of their friends? I mean, of course, they probably weren't young people at this time, or very young, but. Noah was 600 years old, but don't you think some of their friends were saying, what in the world are you guys doing over there in the backyard? Are you guys, are you crazy? Your dad is a nut. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 yeah. But they they were faithful. They try, they were doing the right. They were rewarded by God um, among just eight people who were saved from the flood, Noah's yeah. sons. Yeah. We, we mentioned Joseph and Daniel. I said, I, I see I had those on my list uh, uh, and others did too. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. Uh, what about Mary, the mother of Jesus? Well, you know, oh boy, yeah. You know, she 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 had to be a, an outstanding young woman to be chosen as the one who would be the mother of the Savior, uh, and potentially very young woman. Yeah, and, but she was doing right. She was living yeah. right. She was living for living for God. Uh, and then Timothy, you you already mentioned Timothy. Uh, who was faithful. Uh, Notice what Paul said about Timothy. This is from Philippians 2, beginning verse 19. I trust in the Lord to send Timotheus shortly unto you, that I also may be of good comfort when I know your state. Notice, Paul says, For I have no man like-minded, no one like Timothy, who will naturally care for your estate. For all seek their own, not the things which are of Jesus Christ. But ye know the proof of him that as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I tell you, that's pretty high praise right there for sure, you coming know, from the Apostle Paul. Timothy's mother and grandmother didn't have the attitude with Timothy. Well, you know, young people got to sow their wild oats. We just got to let, let boys be boys. Then they're going to do what they do. And maybe when they get older, they'll get serious about doing the right thing. No, they they understood that. Young people had to be accountable, and Timothy was. Can you imagine the only one that Paul could say? Was I think like you might. Have. Did, did you reference this earlier uh, from uh, first, uh, Second Timothy three? Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and been assured of, knowing whom thou hast learned them, and that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. I mean, he was taught from a child. That's what it takes. That's what. That's basically what we've been really trying to stress. Parents, you got to take this job really as a total top priority responsibility and you've got to be working hard at it if you want your children to be successful spiritually and when you boil it all down no matter what else they're able to accomplish in life if they are not successful spiritually you have failed them if they're a great athlete oh you know i got my kids involved in in little league baseball and they were pretty good you know my my boy made he was the starting pitcher on the all-star team well, great. What's that going to do for him in eternity? You know, yeah. did you? But but the fact of the matter is, we had to forsake a, a, quite a quite a few assemblies because of his baseball schedule. So so he was a, he was a good little league baseball player. He hasn't picked up a mitt and a glove in the last twenty years. Uh, but unfortunately, that early emphasis on his little league baseball cost him his soul because he has no interest in spiritual things at all now because you compromised with him all through that period of time. My son was a great basketball player. We went all over the country chasing after him to play bas- basketball. Well, he's not playing basketball anymore. Hadn't, hasn't dribbled a basketball in the last 10 years. That's all gone by the way. But in the course of that, we let him neglect all things spiritual, and now he's a lost individual. I mean, just think about the scenarios, people. Come on. Where is our emphasis? All right. Uh, it doesn't have to be athletics. It could be academics as well. Uh, and my kid was in the band. And we, we thought band was the be-all and end-all. 
and we miss church for band. Yeah. He's not in the band anymore. Doesn't even play an instrument anymore. But he's also not a faithful Christian anymore. He's not prepared for Bible class tonight because he had a big test he had to get prepared for. He was he he was a, he was the uh, valedictorian of his high school class. Man, he he was really a great. He knows the whole periodic table and by heart. everything else. Yeah, but he doesn't know the scriptures. And he's a lost person because we let him emphasize his school studies, yeah. uh, and we didn't teach him anything about God. It'd be a huge mistake, and I tell you, a lot of parents are going to grieve eternally over that. I'm afraid. All right. Well, it's certainly a dangerous world that our children are growing up in, and we've got to be on guard and protecting them and preparing them for a life of service to the Lord. Yeah. Kyle, uh, have not gotten comments from you tonight. Anything on that side of the board? It's a great study, and I hope uh, these lessons that we're putting up tonight on our podcast. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin yeah. Clark, he's a fantastic speaker, and he, you know, he. Did not cut any corners. He didn't say sweet words to, you know. You know what uh, we used to yeah. say, Kyle? We, so used he, say, uh, we used to say he shelled down the corn. He yeah. did. He, <laughs> he, uh, you, I think everybody who listens to this will be convicted in some form or fashion. I, I don't think there's any way around it. So it is, I really hope everybody listens to these uh, sermons in the podcast. So. All right. Um, yeah, Stephen says, not prepared for eternity. We've got them involved in everything, but we haven't prepared them for eternity. Yeah, it'd be a crime. And, yeah. uh, you know, not only will they suffer in eternity, I dare say the parents will uh, potentially as well uh, suffer yeah. in eternity for yeah. failing to do their job as they should. Yeah. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. Thanks, Jacob. Thank you for being here, Kyle. Thank you for being on the other end of the line, and we hope you benefit from our study and discussion of God's Word. Again, if you have any questions or comments, send them to questions at collegeview.com and make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.